This is a wonderful text, by the, by the way. So many things in here, and it's, uh, sometimes it, it's, it's difficult to comprehend the magnitude of what Paul is saying. But what Paul says, I think first, that we must pursue Christ. We must pursue Christ. And he starts with it with a confession or an admission, if you will. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. The word obtained is lambano. And that means to take hold of something. So not that I have already taken hold of this. The Apostle Paul is talking about something that he hasn't quite arrived at yet. And the question arises, what is he talking about? Well, if you go back in the verses before, he says in verse 8, For his sake I have suffered loss, and I count them rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness of God that depends on faith. Here's the key. That I may know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that by all means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. It's an amazing confession by the Apostle Paul. He's in essence saying, I'm not there yet. I don't know that in its fullness. But with every fiber of my being, I am going to pursue this. I have not already obtained it, nor am I perfect. And I'll talk about perfect in a minute. So what the Apostle Paul is making a confession about is his main desire as he lives his life for Christ before the church and the world and God. He wanted to know the resurrection power, not just the day of, but he wanted to know the resurrection power now. How does it function in my life? How am I going to live out the power of the resurrection in my life? That's a good, that's a good goal to pursue. Uh, 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 you, you could say it this way. Lord, how am I going to live my life in the power of the resurrection as I go about my business day to day. The Apostle Paul says, I'm not there yet. I want to know it. I want to obtain it. I want to grasp it, but I'm not quite there yet. A second thing that Paul wanted was to share in Christ's suffering. Whatever Christ suffered, think about this for a second. Whatever Christ suffered, I want to suffer. If any man deny me, pick up the cross and follow me. Deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. The Christian life is, in essence, a life of suffering. And you say, well, why is that, Pastor? I'll tell you why it is. Because the world does not understand Christ, his message. And so... Even in Christ's day, they, they persecuted him. So it would stand to reason that since we identify with Jesus Christ, that we would in some way suffer with him and be able to identify with, with Christ. We want the grace. We want the forgiveness. We want all of that. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and, and sometimes it's the grace of God that helps us continue to move forward in our lives. But it's the day-to-day -day struggle 
when you mention the name of Jesus to your co-workers, when you mention the name of Jesus in a group that does not know him, watch the reaction. Some are more aggressive than others, and some will just say, I don't believe that. I don't want that. I, I don't want anything to do with that. But the fact is, the Apostle Paul wanted to share in Christ's suffering. He wanted so bad. He said, I, I haven't quite grasped it. I haven't obtained it. I haven't reached that state where I've experienced exactly what Christ experienced. Now, the real, the real question here is, is that, what, is that our desire in our life today? Do we, with all of our mind, want to grasp what it was like for Jesus and also to live that in our own lives? That's a good correction. Number three, he wanted to become like Christ in his death. And I think uh, not only in his physical death, but also the death of dying to self daily. Our Sunday school has been talking about this. It is a daily dying to self. It is relinquishing the power of our own life to the power of Christ so that through the presence of the Holy Spirit, he can live through us. Wow. You know, when I think of the, when I think of the Apostle Paul, I think of one of the greatest apostles. And yet the Apostle Paul is telling me and you today that at this point in his life, when he wrote, when he wrote to, to the church at Philippi, he had not yet obtained this. There was, a, there was a, if you will, an internal struggle in the Apostle Paul. Yes, he knew Jesus. Yes, he had met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Yes, he had, he had trusted in him. And, and one of the greatest apostles, he's living his life, and yet he realizes within himself that he has not reached that state. And if we were to be real with ourselves this morning, none of us have either. And so the Apostle Paul with this great, great admission, and then he goes on and he says, not only have I not obtained this, nor am I perfect. Teleo, the Greek word teleo. <laughs> it means to initiate into the faith. You, you're, I, know, I know your first thing you're thinking, first thing you're thinking is, well, of course he's not perfect because nobody's perfect in this life. But that's, that's, that's not what it, what it means. It also, it, it also means to make genuine. I don't know about you, but in nearly 30 years of pastoral ministry, I've seen people come forward. This is over the years. I've seen people come forward. I lead them in the sinner's prayer, and then you never see anything else the rest of their lives. Was it genuine? I don't know. I, I, I cannot be a root inspector. I can be a fruit inspector, but I can't be a root inspector. But Paul says uh, that perfect in the, in, the, in the sense of what the Christian faith should look like. What it should look like. He's still struggling with that. That's amazing. That is amazing. Lehman Strauss, one of my favorite German theologians, said this, a general truth to hold before us is the fact that every Christian is imperfect so long as he or she is on the earth. Others may have marked us as men and women of purity, patience, practical godliness, but we know our own hearts that they are far from the standards that God has given us. Right? 
we know, we could say with the Apostle Paul, if you could say it this way, not that Michael has already obtained it, not that Emmett has already obtained this or already been made perfect. I think if there's no struggle, if there is no struggle with wanting to become more like Christ and the flesh, we talk about this too in our Sunday school class. If there is no struggle, then there is a spiritual problem. If there's no struggle, the Apostle Paul struggling with this. Not that I have already obtained this or have already been initiated into the faith to make genuine. And I don't think anybody here, including myself, is, is higher, at least, I know Paul's with Jesus now, but at this particular time in his life, you would think of the Apostle Paul as one who you would definitely say was purity, patience, all of these things, but yet he says, wait a minute, guys, wait a minute. I'm not. I'm not there yet. This is the Apostle Paul. I think here, as I, looked at the, as I looked at the language, the language seems to have a tension to it. There's, there seems to be this internal struggle. So this led Paul to do something. Immediately after saying, not that I have already obtained this or have been made perfect, he goes right in to action. You see what he's done here? I'm not there yet, Lord. I know it. But what he does is, I press on to make it my own. Dioko. It means to run forward and to pursue something. It means to run forward and to pursue something. He says, I press on to make it my own. I love this I love this picture. Obviously out here there's rabbits that they're chasing. There's there's a rabbit on a stick, I think is what they call it. And and the dogs are following that. Look at the intensity of these dogs chasing that rabbit, trying to get that rabbit. That should be a picture of our own lives that we're straining, that we're pressing on, that we're moving forward to, to make it our own. This is an interesting word in and of itself. To make it my own is one word in Greek, and it's this. Catalambano, catalambano, and it means to obtain something. There's two possible ways that this can be used. One of the mind and one of the experience as we live our lives. If it's the mind, it means that the Apostle Paul did not fully understand the significance of knowing Christ. He did not fully understand the significance of knowing Christ. I don't know the, the full significance of knowing Christ. So I would think the Apostle Paul here is just making a confession that I'm pressing on to make it my own, even though I don't fully know the full scope of it. You, you know, as you, live your, as you live your Christian life, uh, it, it seems to me, and this is just me, uh, 
it, it, it seems that with each event that takes place in your life, you get to know more and more about Jesus as you live your life. So where you were, where I was October 12, 1981, and I trusted Jesus Christ, to where I am now, yes, I've gained knowledge of Jesus. But I am telling you that I've got a long way to go. And if we were to admit to ourselves today, even if we're older, we have a long way to go to know Jesus. I tell you what, on, on the day that we experience the resurrection power and we see Jesus face to face, we will know in full what we didn't understand here. It will be made clear. It will be evident. But this word can also mean experiential in, in the way of as I'm living my life, I I, I, want to, I want to grasp what it means to live like Jesus lived. Both of these, are, and I've heard scholars argue both ends of the fence. Why do we have to throw out both and, and just get one? I think both can be included here. One is, I don't understand Jesus in all of his, in, in, in all of his majesty. And I, I, I may not experience it right now in all, of, in all of the glory of Jesus Christ in my own personal life, but I'm going to press. I'm going to press until I can meet both of those ends. I think the Apostle Paul said, Jesus, I want all of you. Are you there today? I'm not there. We're not there. And the Apostle Paul at this time in his life was not there. I, I love Paul's writings I love the other apostles, and I love the Old Testament. I love the New Testament. But the Apostle Paul uses words like nobody else. Now listen to what he writes right after this. There's a play here on words, and I think it, it, it hits at the heart of what Paul is driving at. He has said, I press on to make it my own. Cada lambano. We talked about that. But then he goes, because Christ has made me his own. Cada lambano. What it means is this. One portion of the equation is finished. Jesus has made me his own. He knows me. My job is to know Jesus. Jesus knows you 100%. He has made you his own. He has brought you in. He knew when you were born and he knows when you're going to see him face to face. He knows everything in between. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your strengths. He knows your heart. He, know, he has made you his own. But on my end, I haven't quite made him my own. It is a process of becoming like Christ. Dying to self daily. And because Christ has made me his own, my goal in the Christian life is to make Christ my own. I need to pursue Christ. I talked with a lady this week. Can't give names, but she talked to me. We had, uh, we had a time where we sat down and we talked. And I said, you know, 
I think we get it backwards. I said, you know, Christ is always pursuing us. You do know that. Christ is always pursuing us. Our job then is to pursue him. She was talking about a situation in her life, and I said, if it's on the periphery like that, and it's constant, and it yet gnaws at you, then you need to look at it. That was my counsel to her. You need to look at it. And she said, I never thought of it that way. And I said, yeah, if, if it's persistent, it's consistent, and it's out there, and it's gnawing at you, it could be something that Christ wants you to look at. And I think what Paul's saying here is, look at yourself. He goes on to say this, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Christ knows me. He made me his own. But I haven't gotten there yet. This isn't me writing this. This is Paul. Richard Melnick. In his commentary says, it seems best to understand Paul as saying he had not completed the experience process begun at salvation. I agree. He looked forward to the resurrection from the dead and secondarily the process of conformity to death which would bring it forth. In other words, the apostle Paul is saying... I want to die daily so when I die, the experience will be complete. Just a word of encouragement. No Christian should ever fear death. Because death is the fulfillment of being in the presence of Christ. And the Apostle Paul said, I don't consider that I have made it my own. I haven't reached to the point where I've understood Christ in his fullness. It's amazing. That really is. I, I, and I've, I've probably preached on this verse 10 years ago or so, and it, it just means so much more to me now. Um, so he pursues Christ. We must pursue Christ. Here's the word with all of our energy. With all of our energy. Notice the Apostle Paul here, I want to show the, show the transition so you see where it, where it winds going. He has already said, I'm not at the level that I want to be in my relationship with Christ. Even though Christ has made me his own, I have not made Christ my own. Therefore, in light of that, I am going to try to reach Jesus with all of my heart, soul, and mind. But one thing I do. So the Apostle Paul realizes there's a shortcoming in his life. And he says, you know what? One thing that I do. What that means is an exclusive one. It doesn't mean that other things weren't in the Apostle Paul's life. But it does mean that he's going to filter those. He's going to filter that out. And when he filters it out, 
he's going to make one thing perfectly stable in his life. He clears everything out of his focus. He said, in light of the fact that I don't know Christ in his fullness, I'm going to do some things. And the first thing that I'm going to do is forgetting what lies behind. Also, Paul's using a running metaphor here. No runner can do successfully while he's looking backwards. We'll get into that in a minute. From this point back, I'm going to forget everything. Do you know some Christians live here? Even though they're here? Epilanthanomai. It's easy for me to say. Epilanthanomai. Forgetting. It means not to recall something. It also means to overlook something. And what Paul is overlooking and what he is not recalling is his past. It is impossible to move forward if you are looking in the past and living in the past. The past is like a weight and it keeps holding you down. It may have been some sin that you committed years ago that you cannot seem to let go. You know who is bringing that sin up to you? It is Satan. It is not God. Because when you come to the foot of the cross, I'm talking about people that don't know Jesus and, and they get saved and all of a sudden they still don't think they're good enough because what happened back yonder? And so it follows them through their lives and it, and it becomes a weight that keeps them. How could God love me? Do you realize what I did? Yes, I know what you did, but I also know the power of Jesus to forgive those sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness as if it never happened. And Paul says, I forget what's back there because it hinders my walk and ability to understand Christ in his fullness. You have to let go of it. And the Apostle Paul says, I'm going to do this one thing. I'm going to forget things that happened back here. It may have been how your life used to be. What's well, not there today. You need to let go of that. You need to stop carrying that around. It becomes a heavy burden on you so that it paralyzes you. It keeps you from knowing Jesus Christ. He has freed you from that. And Paul says... I am going to not recall that. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to entertain it. I'm going to let it go. That's one thing that I do. Brothers and sisters, Jesus said to me in Matthew 11:28, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. When you come to the foot of the cross, yes, if there's a sin back there that you haven't repented of, I tell you as a pastor today, repent of it so that it can be washed away and you can start again moving forward knowing that Jesus Christ has forgiven that sin. I don't know about you, but when my Christian walk with Jesus Christ, when somebody comes before him, kneels before him and says, Father, forgive me of that sin and they mean it in their heart that sin is washed away I don't have to worry about it anymore I don't have to keep bringing it up I don't have to keep talking about it Jesus has nailed it to the cross it is gone and some Christians they just hold stuff 
unnecessarily. A lady one time, long time ago in my first church said I had an abortion. She said, do you think Jesus can forgive me? That's done. Anything that you've done in your life, you need to let go of it. Because you have to understand this, that holding on to the stuff hinders your ability to pursue Christ. The Apostle Paul knew this. Usually, you, you can tell what is in the heart of the writer when you look at what is written. So the Apostle Paul himself, I count my past life, he says it up in the earlier part of chapter 3, I count my life dead as dung in order to gain Christ. The Apostle Paul says, I'm going to let go of my old life. I'm going to let go of it. This is where I am today. I'm going to move forward and I'm just going to submit that to the cross. Do you have a sin in your life that is held you back for years, that you think that you're a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God because you did this. You know, my mind migrates a lot. And, and I think about the person that's sitting in jail right now that made one decision, poor decision, that cost that person 10 years. But when that person comes to Christ, that's done. And yet, we pious Christians will look at somebody and say, everybody finds Jesus in the jail. We don't know that person's heart, but I can tell you this. If that person came to Jesus Christ, that sin is forgiven, whatever it was. You say, well, pastor, are you sure about this? Yeah, I'm sure about this. That that sin is done. So I, what I want to encourage you today with is this. If you've got a sin in your life that has dogged you and hounded you, just release it and say, God, I ask for forgiveness of that and let it go so that you can start moving on. In essence, the Apostle Paul was opening his hand and just emptying whatever was behind. Do you remember the day that you came to Jesus Christ? Do you remember that weight you felt lifted? I did. Yeah, we got to get there. We got to get to that point. I'm not kidding you. In 30 years, I've seen a lot. And I've heard a lot. And most people, what I see as a pastor, what most people do is they beat themselves up. I'm not good enough. Well, guess what? Neither am I, but I'm forgiven. And we've got to move on. The Apostle Paul says, okay, I'm not there yet. First thing I got to do is I got to get rid of some stuff. But then he has to add something. And straining forward to what lies ahead. Epithanomai. Epithanomai means to stretch forward with intense purpose.
This is actually the first this is actually the first Olympic track in Greece. I'll show you what it looks like, what people believe it looks like today. You notice something about these runners? They're not like this. These runners are leaned forward. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He's not standing up running. Can you imagine? That's, that's really hard to run that way, right? Standing up, you, you're, you, you lean over and, and you run. I don't know why that is, but we do. It's the best way to run, by, by the way. He's talking here about running. It's, it's, it's possible that when Paul wrote this, he's thinking about the, the games in Greece. That's the original track. This is what people think it looks like today. Minus this, because that was dirt. But this is, a, this is a replica of that first Olympic stadium. And that's what they said it would look like today. It's amazing. Kind of scary. <laughs> you fat places packed. They're watching you run. Paul says, I'm going to forget what lies behind. And with every fiber of my being, I am going to be leaning forward and I'm going to be running. Because you have to let go before you can go. You have to get the stuff off before you can start moving forward effectively. I don't know what Paul got rid of. Maybe it was, I prayed three times for the Lord to deliver it, and then I gave up. Maybe that was it. Maybe he said, okay. I don't know what it was, but the Apostle Paul says, I'm going to forget what lies behind. Pretty sure it was his status was one of it, because he just said it earlier. I've really preached hard when I start getting tired towards the end of the sermon. Uh, the goal, 14, one of the most famous phrases in the Bible. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Again, press on. Dioko, it means to strive towards a goal. I really like what Max Anders said here. He said this, Paul. He wants to hear God call his name and summon him to the victory stand. Good. Where he will meet Jesus face to face and know him in perfect intimacy. Yeah. You do realize that we are running a race. The goal is to cross the finish line. That's the goal. And you're not going to be at the, the bronze level, the silver level. You know where you're going to be? You're going to be on what? The gold. You're going to win. When you stand before Jesus, you will be on the victory stand. So the Apostle Paul says, until that day, I am going to run and make it my single focus in life to know Jesus. 
And let me tell you, it's a lifelong process. So, what do we do with this text? First of all, I think it's pretty simple and yet rather complex. Seek to know Christ. Seek to know him. How do you get to know Jesus? He's right here. That's one way. Seek to know Jesus. I mean this. I, I think it's really, really important. Stop living in the past. Even if it was a good thing. Paul got rid of the good things too. Oh, I remember back when it was so, let go of it. Because we're here. The past doesn't always be, because you can live in glory in the past and forget to run in the future. Let go of the past, good and bad. Just let go of it. Say, this is where I am today. I want to run with Jesus. I want to run with gusto. I want to be like Christ in this world. I want to do what he calls me to do, and I'm going to run with single focus. And then lastly, I think run towards the prize. And by the way, you can't run towards the prize doing this. I noticed when I ran that marathon, every time I look back, the guy in front of me got three paces further ahead of me. And the guy behind me said, stop looking back. Because <laughs> I'm bumping into him. Will you pursue Christ this week with all of your heart? Letting go of the past. And keep running towards the prize that is set before you. Do you want to do that this week?